Oh, dang. Oh, dang. There we go. It always takes one second for me to just adjust in that. Happy June, babies. I'm sure everybody's doing fucking rad. I'm coming from post-yoga glow. Post-yoga glow only exists if you already shred at yoga, and I'm the shittiest yogi in the most intense class I can find on the local level. So I've been fucking obsessed with yoga. Got my yoga phase going on right now. I'm like the one middle-aged dude around a bunch of fucking shredder yoga motherfuckers getting just absolutely decimated sweating all over the mat i'm like it's gotta have been 45 minutes look down it's like 12 minutes shirt soaked crushed i have no hip flexibility i'm into it i'm into it i'm obsessed with it like this fall past fall i was getting some soreness in my shoulder from playing so much guitar And then I called Rick Molina. He's on an earlier podcast, right? He's like a guru, father. He's like, well, number one, start doing yoga. So, you know, six months later, I was like, all right, Rick, I'll do some yoga. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. So all you young Fair fans, i.e. Carl, the crew, the squad, Melissa, the DJ, take care of your bodies. You guys do, though. I was just, I just housed myself. So, oh. Oh, it feels good. Oh, no, I actually feel horrible. I got totally just decimated, shredded. I'm going to too many. It's probably, I'm probably overworked. I should take a break. That's what's going on. And I see it fair. Fair, fair. Andrew, it's going to be good. This is a good one. We're going to kick this off with his new track, Parties. Parties! That's not actually how it goes. That's the, uh, Espresso and tonic kicking me off. So do some yoga. Oh my god! Oh, do some yogs. Listen to this. Do you do personal yoga? That's my new thing. I'm like, if I'm going to get any good at this, like guitar, piano, vocals, you got to just be alone with it and like suck. You have to pay to the suck gods for a while. Like every time I pick up the guitar, I'm like, oh, I got to learn how to do this again. Pain to the suck gods. And any production thing. Think of Andrew. How much time this cat must spend. Anyway, Fair. Amazing singer. Amazing songwriter. I met him when he was like a senior in high school. And you know then. You know who's going to be successful and you know who's not. And you meet them and you're like, yeah, he's going to – this is it. This is the future of music right here. Just like Kyle Duke. He's on a previous episode. He's friends with the Dukes. Duke to God. And uh, what can I say? He's a knowledgeable – Smart, cool, interested, and interesting human. And there's motherfuckers who are not, who are also young cats. Like, ordering my uh, tonic, and the cat was like, oh, I don't even know what tonic is. I was like, motherfucker, you work here. Maybe you should know what that is. Like, when I'm loading into these wedding venues and cats are explaining, like, you need to know what it is you're serving. Pork is pig. Does it have pork in it? Uh, uh, Listen, stoner, put the vape pen down. And check some of this shit out. If you work at motherfucking Kinship Coffee, I always, it's getting coffee. Like a real New Yorker, you get all pissed off. You're like, oh, man, what kind of tonic is it? Oh, I've never had tonic. I don't give a fuck if you've never had tonic. Whoa, whoa. Put that 
gun away, Paulie. Put the gun away. This track is going to be parties. Andrew's hilarious. And he hurt his body. Speaking of taking care of your body, Andrew, that story was fascinating. And it really, you think about how your life catches up with you, you know? I hope you take care of your foot. Hey, listen to this fair podcast. It's a good one. Listen to the tracks. Check out his music. Go to, I think, I gotta, I gotta go to a show. It's lame that I haven't been to a show. Andrew Fair, thanks for coming on. Check this track out. And we're gonna close with another track. I hope you're well. Have a kick-ass July. Rock and roll. It's 9 p.m. on Saturday night. Everybody knows that it's party time. I feel forever 21. I want to partake in the booze-induced fun, but maybe I should not. My doctor says that I shouldn't get drunk What if I have too much? Lose all control and hurt myself Look at everybody raging at the parties They're drinking and they're taking lots of drugs Look at everybody scoring at the parties People left and right are looking up Look at everybody spending lots of money for a night they won't remember in a month Living it up Going really hard Filling up their cups I am young and free too But making the effort Is something I cannot do They will be going all night Dancing and drinking Until they see the sunlight I want to be involved But it's too much of a hassle So maybe I should stay inside Look at everybody Raging at the parties They're drinking and they're taking lots of drugs Everybody scoring at the parties People left and right are looking up Look at everybody Spending lots of money for a night They won't remember in a month Look at everybody Getting really funky It's what the young people love gonna go to bed I'm tired and I need to clear my head Maybe in a couple months I'll go out again and live it up Look at everybody Raging at the parties They're drinking and they're taking lots of drugs Look at everybody Scoring at the parties People left and right are looking up Look at everybody Spending lots of money for a night They won't remember in a month Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It's Secret Famous with Fayer. 
Hello. How's it going, Paul? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you for being incredibly punctual. It's 7.52. I was like, I'll see you at 8, and no one is on time. Yeah, I mean, I was coming from Brooklyn. I was working in Brooklyn, and I thought that the train was going to take a lot longer, and it got me in at 7.40. So I was hanging on the street just jamming out to my tunes for a little bit, and then we ran into each other on the street. I saw you on your bike, mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, hey. I came in hot, and I was like, Andrew, don't talk. We need to save this, save this energy for the podcast. Like, yeah. this fresh new energy. Like, you caught me in the middle of lip syncing a track. So, because uh, that's what I do when I have my headphones on, is I'm just mouthing the words. You were mouthing the words, and getting right into this, you were also doing an air drum fill. <laughs> yeah, and and I was listening to your tracks this morning, and I'm like, all of these drum fills. Like, do you play drums? Like I do, but I actually did not drum on the last track I put out. This I'm going to give a shout-out to my drummer, Michael Buteneff, who's been playing with me for the past two years or so. He laid down drums on these tracks. He lives in Yonkers, and he has a whole drum studio set up in his room with, like, a 25-piece Neil Peart-style kit. And so... Are you serious? He just laid down drums, and in a few takes, we got it, and it made it onto the parties track. It was actually his idea, because originally I just had, like, mini drums, and he's like, trust me, this will sound a whole lot better if I just lay down a couple takes. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Did so, he track uh, the drums last, after you did the whole track, or did you kind of, like... I'm always interested where where the drums get put on a track. Like, is it did you put the drums to a demo, or was it like, you know, we put the drums on last? Like, you know... The song was pretty much done, and I showed it to him, and I'm like, what do you think? And, I'm, and he was like, it needs live drums. And I'm like, really? And he's like, yeah, trust me, this is going to sound great. So <laughs> everything was done. We just put the live drums down, and then we remixed it with the live drums, and then that's where it happened. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <clears throat> and does he, in your life, does he play in the live show, or he's just a buddy from college? or? I know him from college. He's yeah. uh, like two grades below me, but that's where I met him was college. And he's been playing all my live shows since 2017. I made a Facebook status once because I was trying to go on tour. Who do I know who plays drums who would be willing to go on tour? And he's like, oh, me, me, me. And ever <laughs> since then, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a match made in heaven. He's been so great. He's, uh, also, he also has a role in SPDSX, and I play live to backing tracks, so he triggers – the tracks from the Roland, and Perfect. as a result, no laptop is needed, which is good because my laptop freezes all the time. I still have a 2012 MacBook Pro. A 2012 MacBook Pro. And, and I also have an iPhone 6. Yes, Andrew just <laughs> revealed, he's like, I did not want to give up the headphone jack. No, that's so important to me. I mean, you saw me with my headphones on. Like, he has cans. He doesn't <laughs> wear, he, we, we had the whole AirPod discussion. You keep the cans on in the street. That's why you didn't see me coming in stealth on my bike with speed. I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm I'm not really blind to what's going on, but I'm deaf to what's going on. You yeah, know, it's true. Be yeah. careful out there. It's, yeah, it's dangerous. So you got live drums on this track, but you I did you program drums on some of your other tracks like stuck in a video game? Yeah, stuck in a video game is programmed all of my drums on my debut album signals internalized that was programmed as well. I wanted it to sound as much like a live drum kit as possible, but it was still pretty computerized sounding. And I think that having Michael come in and say, this is what your song could sound like if we laid down some live drums, it really kicked it up a notch in terms of energy. Yeah, that's awesome. But so you do play drums, though. I do play drums. I haven't in a while because my cymbals got stolen, so I'm working on getting a new pair of cymbals. Don't stole your cymbals. Well, what happened was I lent them out at a gig once, and uh, uh -oh. the guy never gave them back to me. And what? I was sort of hyped from the gig myself, so I forgot to ask it back. I get home, and I'm like, Wait a minute, I don't have my cymbals. So I go back to the venue, and they're not there. 
So it was you, sort of. Did you know what band he was in? Look this motherfucker up, dude. This is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say on the podcast, but uh, I'll try to get it resolved. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that oh, that hurt. That hurts my soul. It when might you hear have been about, an like, accidental your, thing too. I mean, like, like I don't your hi hats, your crash, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> dude. Gear like gear. No, I don't think it was intentional. I mean, right, good, I do good, know the guy good. who uh, I lent it to. <clears throat> And he's super nice, and uh, it was sort of like we both sort of forgot about it, and then uh, he walked out of the venue, and I walked out of the venue, and maybe someone in the venue, someone we don't know, strolled in and was like, hey, free symbols. Free symbols, just yes. grabbed them. Yeah. So. What was it, the venue? Mercury Lounge, actually. Oh. Yeah. That, that stuff, like, when I see, like, oh, gear, stolen, like, that, like, breaks my soul. Like, yeah. my heart is... You, we get so I'm, I'm emotionally attached to all of the instruments I own because if I don't like if it doesn't immediately respond like at an emotional level like I just sell it I just don't want it you know what I mean like I don't know I, you you don't make nice so I I, I leave you you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah so, I'm at this I'm the same way I mean uh, I do like a triple quadruple dummy check before and after all my gigs now to make sure I have everything I need and I'm not forgetting anything. Yeah, and oftentimes I still might forget stuff here and there, but it's like little things like cables and whatever, which can be replaced. But sometimes it's the hardest thing to replace. Well, you're truly outsmarting yourself because you're not leaving dongles anyplace. Oh, <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> but does yeah. your six now? This is well, like it's a six S geeky so. old manship. But do you do the update, or do you? Th- is that your? You're like I don't do the update, so it like works longer or something, right? Like, isn't that the slick old iPod? iPhone thing. Well, I did do the update because there was an app I wanted to download and it just didn't work with the iOS I had. Mm -hmm. So I did the update and then for a while my battery was completely shot. So I had the battery replaced as well and now it works fine. But I'm not sure I want to update to the latest iOS version Mm. because, you know, it's sort of Apple's way of telling you, oh, if you want it to work perfectly, you got to get the newer phone. Mm. So who knows? Yes. Mm -hmm. So you play drums. Yeah. You're clearly a trained singer. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, been taking lessons for a while. I took some classical vocal lessons in college, but I've switched more to doing rock and pop stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, I think, you know, I think when we listen to music, sorry, I'm literally wiping the sweat off my face. <laughs> it's cause hot I, today, yeah. It, it's hot, and I, there was two city bikers behind me, and I, I just have to, I feel the need to establish, like, you know, Look, I go first in the lineup here, bro. Like, like I'm going. Like, you're not going to try to pass me because I have extreme speed. Anyway, so I was working hard on the, the final 38th Street, like kind of final cruise. Anyway, I think right when you immediately like, you know, listen to music, you're getting the like emotional information from the track. What is this? What is this about? And then it's like, is this like an aesthetically pleasing sound? And I was just, I and I was saying this. Your voice is like, first of all. You have crazy – like a tone that like cuts the mix perfectly. You know what I mean? And then you have great pitch, great melodic ideas, great everything. But to sing like you sing, I was like, oh, no. He, he has he, – this This is a human who has been doing some singing. Like this isn't just like I'm making tracks on the – you know, in my closet or whatever. This is like you have – did you sing always? Like your family does sing-alongs since you were zero, you know? Well, my mom – is uh, I wouldn't say a trained singer, but she's a very frequent amateur singer because she actually sings 
as a volunteer in a professional choir. And the choir used to do exclusively classical music, you know, Baroque, romantic kind of stuff. But they got a new director, and now they're switching over to doing more like old school show tunes. But she really enjoys it. So I get a lot of music from her. My dad can sing, but mm-hmm. he can't harmonize. Like, as soon as someone starts singing harmony, he switches to the harmony oh, line. It's like me, yeah. Yeah, but I'm the only one in the family who's like really had extensive lessons with singing. Mm-hmm. And uh, my sister probably could sing very well if she took lessons. Younger but or older? She's younger than me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she actually has a pretty decent voice if she tried, but she likes to make people laugh when she sings. So she intentionally sings <laughs> sort of out of rhythm, out of key, because it's funny. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's sort of a little novelty kind of thing she does. And she makes up songs on the spot, which I think is really funny. She always sings to our dogs, just like, dogs, drink some water, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. So yeah. she's entertaining the whole family. Yeah. It's not you doing that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm so, more serious. And, you're uh, the, you're the, yeah, right. You're the serious guy at home. You're like, here we go. This is my new track, Pugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm all about the music business. <laughs> business. Yeah, there's no fun in it. It's all business. <laughs> <laughs> so you get your music, music kind of from your mom, a little bit the dad. What was your first – what got you? What, what, what was like – did you take piano lessons? A yeah, I started bit with piano lessons when I was six. Uh, oh, we had just moved to Scarsdale go. from the city. Uh, and yeah, I'm originally from Manhattan, the Upper West Side. But when I was just shy of six, my family moved up to Scarsdale in Westchester. And my parents enrolled me in piano lessons. And at first I thought, oh, this is cool. You know, I'm learning how to play an instrument. And then once the music that I learned got harder, I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I could do this because, you know, I have to practice. And a lot of little kids don't like to practice. So I continued with it. I stuck with it. I never became a virtuoso on any instruments. But when I was in late elementary school, I saw some of my other friends playing the drums. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is so cool to, like, hit things. So I wanted to take drum lessons. So in addition to piano lessons, I also got drum lessons. And from there, I expanded to teaching myself guitar and bass. Mm-hmm. And from there, I just started writing songs. My first exposure to music was sort of polar opposites happening at the same time. You had my parents who were trying to introduce me to the classical world, you mm-hmm. know, all the standards that they think make kids smart if they listen to of them course. at a very early age. I'm a child of that as well. Yeah. But I also grew up at the time when boy bands were becoming the big thing. Like, mm. I remember one of my earliest memories was being like three or four years old and having my neighbors blast a Backstreet Boys song and me, you know, newly potty trained, getting out of my bed, supposed to be sleeping. It's like 10 o'clock at night, which is super late for a three-year-old and dancing along to, I think it was Larger Than Life by the Backstreet Boys. So I had that cross contamination, so to speak, of classical and pop at the same time. Mm. And the worlds didn't really collide, but for my own stuff, I sort of wanted to make them collide by writing stuff that could be embraced by both audiences. It has the intricacies of a classical piece that a lot of people just sort of sit down and academically analyze, as well as the feel-good pop music that you want to listen to when you feel entertained. Mm. So Yeah, and I hear all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's intelligent pop. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there, – I can tell you thought about every note. You know what I mean? It's not – Yeah, I mean it's more so uh, – almost like a science than an art sometimes i sometimes lose the feel and the emotion because i get so into like the technicalities and the intricacies of the actual melody and harmony itself the piece of music Mm -hmm. even if i'm writing a rock song or a pop song i might treat it like i'm composing a classical piece Mm. 
I think that's the, uh, the perfect training. You had the perfect training. Yeah, because I... But see, because huh? like, if you meet a piano player who hasn't kind of studied drums... Besides just banging around on their buddy's kit or whatever, because I, I can just hear it in your programming is like, no, he knows drums. Like the fills, I was like that. This this Andrew knows drums. Like because they're well, I always they're so aggressive. The fills. Well, the fills I'll actually have to credit to Michael, my drummer, because I made just like, even on your other record. I'm saying like, oh, you mean like the other stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I mean parties is where the fills go completely, completely off the rails, bonkers. which I yeah. love. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, it's very aggressive. Yeah. Because Michael's originally a, a metal drummer, and mm-hmm. my stuff is very, very light compared to what he normally does. Like, he plays in a thrash band. He was doing something in a melodic death metal band for a bit. And so to do my stuff, it's like uh, he still wants to keep up the metal energy, but it, it doesn't really have the same aesthetic. I just but, took my Meshuggah shirt off. I'm <laughs> fully into metal drums. Yeah, yeah I was actually at a Meshuggah show uh, about a month ago at Hammerstein Ballroom, and that was my first ever show where I'd say the majority of the time I was right in the pit. You were in the pit. I was, I'm sure. It was scary for me, but you know, uh, the whole floor was that's a, the that's pit. That's a pleasant so, pit, though. Yeah. It's not that mean of a pit, right? No. I had four tickets mm-hmm. that I bought for friends, and an artist I worked with booked a show on that Thursday night, and I said, "Well, can I leave by nine? I left, and I got to Hammerstein Ballroom when everybody and I met my friends as they were all walking out, and I had a beer with them after the show. So I've seen Michigan like four or five times. Do you think that you reached a state of nirvana taking in a Meshuggah concert? It was very liberating to me because uh, even though I might not show it on the surface, I can be very anxious at times, and that's oftentimes what I write about. But then there's something about having the environment where you don't have to care about what everyone else is thinking, and you could just let loose, and there's so much energy going on, and there's so much passion and physical heat like it was so hot in there it became this environment of you know can i curse on this podcast of course it's like fuck it all like who cares like let's just have a good time and uh, i don't get to let loose that often being in new york it's all about you gotta work you gotta keep your income up you gotta get a job this and that and it's nice to just have that environment once or twice to just say screw it all go all out and have a good time enjoy yourself (laughs) If you see me writing something down, I'm just trying to – I have all these other questions I want to ask you, but like I'll lose them. So I have to – that's all. Sure. That's funny that you say that because that exists for me in certain types of music and different bands. Um, but like to me, Meshuggah is just it, – it feels like watching five superheroes. Like they're so good at drums, bass, guitar, and then Jen's screaming is like – Amazing. So I, I, I feel I can't like turn the musician part of my brain off for them. I'm just like, is this in seven? Is this in thirteen? What how like their stanima like as a like a guitarist, like how like bleed? I can't play one measure of bleed, let alone the five and a half minutes of whatever, like, you know, it's 324 BPM, like like what? Like it's like it's it's I, I don't know and then like yeah Ugh. dude I have no words for Meshuggah I'm so jealous that I missed that show I also heard at that show the light show game has upped a whole other level yeah that's something else I was going to mention is from what I heard from Michael the guy who works lights for Meshuggah none of it's or very little of it is programmed he's actually drumming with his fingers on the lighting yes. board 
in rhythm, perfect sync with the drummer. He's the sixth member of Meshuggah, right? It's, it's absolutely unreal. Incredible. Wait, do you know him? No, no, I don't. Oh, okay. I this just like know on of a, him or about him. An interview, him. I saw you like, yeah, so I'm hanging out with the lightman. I'm like, Andrew, no. like, call me up, bro. Let's hang. Like, <laughs> Forgot to bring him tonight. No, I, I wish I could say I knew him, but I've just heard from sources yes. that he he does the lighting live. Like, very little of it's programmed. Yes. Which is absolutely yes. incredible because their lighting game is perfectly synced to, like, the millisecond of the kick drum. Yes. It's unbelievable. They're also – so the show – Maybe one or two shows ago from the last time they were in New York. This is the only band. Jens, the singer, came out, sang 20 minutes with them and said, Everybody, I'm sorry. I am very sick. You know, his. I'm not trying to – I'm just saying it was so funny because he came out like sang his ass off. And then after 20 minutes said, I'm really sick. I have to go. So one of the tech dudes came up, sang fucking New Millennium Cyanide Christ. Wow. Which he sounded like Jens. I was like, what the fuck? And then the band played for 40 minutes without the singer. And I was – no one left. Like we were just still like – they were just crushing it. What band on earth could come on stage and lose the singer and then hold the, hold the crowd? You yeah, know it's I mean? incredible. Like, I mean when Metallica with James Hetfield burned both his arms in 1992, I'm sure you know that story. <laughs> he stepped into a flame. Mm-hmm. One of the he could sing still, but he couldn't play guitar for the rest of the tour. So one of the roadies filled in on rhythm guitar, and James Hetfield. I'll never forget this quote: "If you're a roadie for the band, learn the band's songs because you never know when you're going to get pulled on stage and have to play them." You're the next in line. Yeah, yeah. that's so true. That's that's great. Yeah, even if you're going to a concert, make sure you know all the notes, all the words, because. I've seen Green Day do this. Avenged Sevenfold does this. For one or two songs, they'll pull select fans on stage and be like, okay, you get to play. Let's see how you do. And Green Day doesn't just do it for like, you know, when I come around. They do it for Jesus of Suburbia, the nine-minute song. Yeah. You, have you seen this? Yeah. No, I mean, bands uh, I was with, like, fans, with fan bases like that, they know every <laughs> single word, every single note. You picked like – that would be like – that would be like if Queen were still touring and Brian Mahe was just like, oh, uh, someone come play Bohemian Rhapsody. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it's not as technically challenging as that. But it was still like the, the anthem, the monster. I was just like, uh, who – what? Anyway, anyway, let's go back. We're getting off track. We're just getting – our fandom is coming out. Clearly, we're yeah. both big lovers of music. You've mentioned it a couple times now, and I'm fascinated. So my mother, absolutely, 80s, always played classical music in the house, and I started classical guitar for – I went into like – I call it my dark period where I was just – I was done with rock, and I was too – I was just – only doing classical. So you've mentioned it a couple times. Did you – your mother exposed you – mother father exposed you to classical and then did, were you studying like classical composition at Bard or – Yeah, I went to Bard. I'm not sure if we mentioned that yet. I went to Bard College in upstate New York and I originally applied to the conservatory because when I was in my junior, senior year of high school, I thought that that's what colleges wanted was for you if you're a musician to – do one thing, be a classical composer, and apply to a bunch of conservatories, only in the process to realize that conservatories really weren't for me. So when I got to Bard, I was mostly composing classical because that's what I thought they wanted. But I actually wound up doing the regular music program, not in a conservatory. And from there, was able to do a couple of different things and combine it all into just a general music major. So while I was there, I did a little bit of jazz. I did a lot of 
a lot of experimental. They really pride themselves on experimental electronic yes. there. Who's the guy there? Who's the – Well, they have a couple, but uh, some well-known ones would be like Richard Teitelbaum. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know him, but he's worked with Stockhausen and Cage and people like that. Yeah. So he's really into – Is he like, like in his 80s or something? Yeah, and he's yeah. really into like old modular synthesizers mm. and things like that. Did you get to take a couple classes with him? Yeah, I did. There was no homework. Basically, it was just like let's listen to these pieces. And did he pontificate in just an absolutely beautiful way? (laughs) He would take a nap and we sort of would too because, you know, it's it's difficult to teach things like that. Sometimes all you could do is listen and uh, analyze in your brain (laughs) because if I hear pieces like that, sometimes I'm at a loss for words for how to articulate how it feels. And who is the other super heavy uh, classical composer cat at board. Isn't there – Well, there's Joan Tower who's a – I think the – she's a Grammy winner actually. Mm-hmm. She's a – they brand her as like a Grammy award-winning female composer at Bard. And she's really into not so much the electronic stuff but contemporary classical sort of – doesn't have to be atonal but multitonal kind of stuff. And I did a class with her and it really shaped – I'd say some of my own compositions that I do now because it really made me think differently about where can music go. Let's try this chord progression even though it doesn't in terms of music theory make sense. Let's go for it anyway mm. and see yeah, what yeah, it yeah. sounds like. So I, I, I'm mixing modes. I'm doing all this stuff. Did you love that stuff? Did you like – did it excite you? Well, to be honest – I really wanted to do something that was definitely tonal and uh, I'm not really into the atonal kind of music. But it was exciting to learn that you didn't have to follow a traditional chord progression to make a pop song or a rock song. Mm, You could mix around, change keys. You know, there's that dreaded tritone that classical (laughs) musicians hate so much. But, you know, why not make a chord progression that's built off that? Yeah. So, yeah, that's where uh, some of my influences came from. No, that's great. And so <clears throat> you said, what is the regular music program as opposed to the conservatory? They can't cross-pollinate or it just means jazz or pop music or what – What is? I didn't understand. Yeah, I mean the thing with Bard is the regular conservatory, I guess like most is it conservatories. All classical symphony, symphonic players? It's all classical maybe symphonic ed, players. Ed majors or something, music ed? Not music ed actually. It's all – it's all symphony players. In fact, we don't even have an undergraduate conservatory vocal program. We have a master's in music for vocals, but for voice, like opera and choral singing and things like that. But if you want to be in the conservatory at Bard, it's really just orchestral players. Mm-hmm. And they require you to do a dual degree because they stress how important the liberal arts education is. So if you get into the conservatory, it's mandatory that you double major in something outside of music. Whereas I just wanted to do music and uh, only be there for four years as well. And they have the classical composition thing, but that's the thing is it's just classical if you get into the conservatory. I so that's what do... you started out in? No, I didn't start out in the conservatory. Oh, you, okay. I was applying to a bunch of conservatories in high school in the hopes at the time that I could be just a classical composer. But as soon as I got to college, I got into the regular music program but not the conservatory and – I just felt like the conservatory is probably not for me because it's so one lane. I mm. want to try my hand at all these different things in music and then hopefully put it together to do my own thing, mm. which is what I did. So my yeah. senior project, everyone has to do a senior project at Bard, whether it be a concert or a 
you know, for other majors, dissertation or things like that. And mine was showing what I was able to learn, not just with composition, but also production, performance, arranging, audio engineering. I did all that when I was in school. Literally all the things you do in your own project. Yeah, right now. yeah. and I wanted to put it all together, and I could in the regular music program as opposed to the conservatory. Mm, that's so rad. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I similarly, when I transferred out of my dark period, the classical guitar period, I would have had to been <clears throat> a freshman in the jazz program at SUNY Purchase, but I got into the studio composition as a junior. And exactly. I was like, oh, wait a second. I can just check out a little jazz and I can write my own tunes and learn about production. Like, wait, this is, this is a win-win. I'm, I'm technically yeah. winning right now. That's cool. I, I think back to being exposed to all that atonal stuff and all the classical stuff enlightens pieces of your music in a sense because I think I'm envious of super jazz trained musicians, right? We live in New York. We're surrounded by – what is there? Uh, easily 20,000 like post-jazz school humans out there, right? Oh, sure. And they're <laughs> – and you're like you are the shreddingest saxophonist or trumpetist ever and they have incredible like language and vocabulary but there's – I'm – as I age, starting to appreciate that I think classical gives you this different kind of appreciation of aesthetic, uh, dynamics, uh, harmony, you know, being weird, being original. And that sounds counterintuitive, but like there's so much like you get in this track, whether it is a classical player or a jazz, and you're like, wait a second, wait a second. We're here to do our own thing. You know what I mean? And you're clearly doing your own thing, you know? Yeah, that's the thing is uh, we live in an age where – of course, the biggest thing right now for getting new music out is streaming. You know, Spotify mm -hmm. is dominating the market and a lot of people are writing music basically just to get very well playlisted. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to be featured on many playlists. And have I have you landed, been playlisted? I have been playlisted on I know that's a very important question in this day and age. Because I you heard been your playlisted? track. I heard I heard stuck in a video game, which maybe we should close this podcast with. Ooh, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. That's I think that's a great which we got to get into your lyrics, yeah, but... Yeah, but the hard thing about having Spotify dominate the industry is, as a result, a lot of people just write music thinking, okay, what playlist would this fit on? What else does it sound like? How can I figure out what a popular playlist is, what's popular on there, and try to write for making it onto this playlist? And I feel like I just... It's not in me to write like that. I just sort of get into my own thing of, like, creating my own sound, breaking down the rules of, like... Okay, sure, like these are the rules of writing an alternative rock song, but like why do you have to follow them? And as a result, my stuff – a lot of people don't really know where to put it, especially in the playlist game. Like a lot of people are thinking, oh, it has a bit of this, but it's too much of this other thing for our playlist. I found that out when I was doing a lot of submissions. A lot of people are saying it's, it's rock, but it has too many electronics or it has electronics, but there's too much of a rock vibe. Huh. And it's like, and then your vocals are like neither. So like, I don't know where to put it. So we're going to have to pass. I think this is truly a compliment then because <clears throat> I lived, I lived this life. Yeah. Yeah. I know this. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe right around when I was your, your age in my twenties, right? I was doing like a comedic meets show, like this whole sort of thing. And people were like, is it a comedy? Is it, is it musical theater? Is it is it just a jam band? Are you like by default? This is like pre-streaming kind of being the whole thing. We just got monkeyed into the 
jam band world because it was like, oh, weird shit happens there. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I understand. And I read that, you know, I, did you read the Billie Eilish uh, Billboard magazine article? I haven't. I know she's been blowing up and I'm like, I can't look at her and not feel jealous that she's like dominating at the age of 17. <laughs> and I'm, I'm 25 and I've been doing this for like maybe, you know, since I was 17, seriously. And, you mm-hmm. know, she is catapulted to the top. But she – I got to give her credit because she does write a lot of her own songs and she's doing something truly different. I mean if we want to talk about people who don't <clears throat> fit the mold, you have Billie Eilish. But tell me yeah. about her Billboard article. Well, you just basically summarized it because they, you know, the the muscle, the machinery of the music industry. She's on a major label, and they would create the tracks very specifically to get in different playlists. So they wanted to dominate every playlist, which gave her this, you know, octopus reaching its tentacles all the way. And now she's, you know, so like you literally to me just described the business model behind her, and the, but. You self said, like, yeah, that's not me. So it's okay. You're you. You're doing you. People will hear your music. Yeah. Do you know Ninja Sex Party? Ninja Sex. I've never heard of that. Is that a is that a local band? Are they in New York? What is that? <clears throat> or is that a show? What is that? It's a. <laughs> it's the closest uh, concept I could think of of your music. I was recently hip to them. Uh, I think they originally started off as like internet YouTube personalities doing like – I don't know. But the music is similar where it's like rocky, video game, theatrical, like singing but like rock guitar but like maybe EDM beats or something like that. And then their lyrics are probably more leaning toward like comedy and absurdness because I feel like you have this like introspective – anxiety questions on life kind of thing you sure. know yeah but there's there's humor in yours thing yeah. i mean i want to show uh it's it, fun it's feel good like you said it's not it's but you're not like you know yeah i mean i'll write a couple of like really serious downer songs here and there mm-hmm. because you know my grandma was saying like you have to have a ballad in your show take it down slow it down so the audience could be drawn in so i have a new song i've written that's you know it still has my lyrical cliches i guess you could say but it is, is this more, an unreleased it's a, track it's an unreleased track that i'm not going to get too much into because i totally still need fine. to finish writing it yeah but i've played it a couple times but it's in the live show yeah it is in the live show and my music i wanted to have the sense of depth that it has comedic elements but it also has serious elements at the same time how not brow, too high much brow meets lowbrow yeah the yeah. ultimate the ultimate goal. yeah i yeah. love combining things and bringing things in the middle where, uh, you know, like watching a show where it has comedic elements, but it also has dramatic elements. You could either classify it as a comedy or a drama or just right in the middle of the perfect balance. I think a good example is, uh, I, I know you're, uh, like you're a teen in the nineties. So you probably remember the show. Hey Arnold, which I'm a huge fan of, but that's like right in the middle of like, is it funny? Yeah, but is it like also really Super serious? serious and yeah. Heavy. yeah. So like, let's put it together and make this brilliant show. Mm. And uh, it's it's not like a lot of the Nickelodeon shows now, which are like ridiculously silly, and there is no real serious moments. And then a lot of the shows that are, you know, more on these adult networks that have no real comedic elements and are all just like serious, serious drama. Mm. I wanted to meet right in the middle and find something that hopefully will appeal to both audiences. And not, you know, as sometimes the playlisters go, oh, it's not enough of this. It's not enough of that. 
Mm. So you, it's either yeah. it's either or you either bring people together with it or you draw people away because it's either the right amount or it's too much or it's not enough. So tell me since tell me how uh, stuck in a video game got playlisted or just about that process and about the song and I'm not trying to get you to tell me your business like just but you know I think it's if you're saying I you know I, I, what genre do I fit in where the fuck am I where am I where am I going but yet. Maybe you you found it with one track, right? Yeah, well, I mean, with Stuck in a Video Game, it sort of arised because when I was playing my debut album for a lot of people, this wasn't the intention, but a lot of them said, oh, your music would be perfect in a video game soundtrack. And so I started writing this new song, and I was saying to one of my friends, like, I have no idea what to do for the lyrics. It's like the first time I'm really stumped on the lyrics. I have the melody, I have the production, but no words. I played it for him, and he was like, this sounds like a lot of your other stuff, video game music. And then I thought, why not just be as on the nose as possible? Why not just write a song about being in a video game? Mm, and that's yeah. how Stuck in a Video Game came to be. And as a result, it was more specific. It was more niche. And I was able to have it find it, – it found room for itself on some of these more 8-bit video game-oriented playlists. It, yeah. So uh, that's how that happened. That's how that happened. Mm-hmm. Do you have a video, a music video for this track? Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's actually my first animated music video. I partnered with an animator who lives in Connecticut, and he was able to animate me physically being sucked into a TV screen, and then me as an 8-bit animated character is fighting all of these different levels. And there are some old-school game references in there, like I go Super Saiyan at one point, Dragon Ball Z. There's this one uh, where I forget what this video game is, but I'm jumping on a bunch of lily pads. It might just be called lily pad jump, but mm -hmm. there's that. And if you are interested in checking out the music video, it's right on my YouTube. Just search Fayer stuck in a video game and it's there. Mm, there we mm. go. Well, yeah. look who needs to do more homework. That's me. I got to <laughs> check it out. Yeah. And <clears throat> when did that record slash song come out? How old is that now? That song came out. The last day of November, 2018. So that's I, super recent. Yeah, so you're I, like putting it pedal to the metal right now. I yeah, know. I was planning on releasing it earlier, but I wanted a little bit more promotion time. But then I thought, like, should I extend it and just release it in 2019? But then I thought, I don't really have a release in 2018. I got to put something out. So I put out Stuck in a Video Game right after Thanksgiving. And yeah, it was pretty well received. Yeah, that's so awesome. And do you think – when did the record come out then? The record? I mean it was your, just a your, single. Your, no, like the album. The, oh, the, the debut album? album? Oh, yeah. yeah. That was February 2017 was 2017 the first release. Was, yeah. And you, do you think you're going to do records or just singles from now on with at the moment, At the moment, I'm more of a singles kind of guy. I think that it's much easier to promote a single and it's much easier to uh, – I mean it's just much easier all around because you don't have to spend as much time – promoting it. I mean, it's sort of one thing that stands on its own. You could do a lot with it. You have one single. With that, you could create a music video. You could create a remix. You could create a lyric video. All this stuff that you can't necessarily do with an album. Because naturally, when you put out a full-length album, there's going to be tracks that get lost. And mm -hmm. then they just become album cuts. Sometimes hardly anyone hears it. With singles, you spend a lot of time working on that one thing. You put it out. You're able to promote it much more easily. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a singles mode right now. You're in a singles I just phase, put out yeah. parties. Plan on releasing another song maybe later in the summer or sometime in the fall. But what I really want to do is start co-writing and collaborating with a lot more people. Mm -hmm. But you do that already, right? 
Like, I do. You remix and produce and... Yeah, I do have a remix project, actually, that is getting off the ground. It's uh, something that's pretty separate from Fair, and it's called Draniads, and uh, it's a word that doesn't really exist, but it's <laughs> it's a drunken anagram of the word androids. I was drunk one night, as people tend to get. Androids? Say, yeah, say it again. I was, I was drunk one night, as people tend to get, and I thought, like, I thought back to my old drum lesson days, and I had this really hilarious drummer drum teacher named Glenn and he would always call me Android because my name's Andrew and he thought it was funny and then I thought like uh, one night like what if I developed a remix project totally unrelated to Fair or like somewhat related to Fair but it's a different project and I called it Androids and then I thought "Mm, I don't know if I could do that because the Android phone company they might take legal action against me and then I thought like well anagrams are pretty cool like let's see if I could create a new word so had a couple beers, and I just sat down with a pen and paper rewriting the letters to androids as many times as possible until I found something that stuck, and Draniads is what stuck. And since then, I've been coming out with a couple remixes. I uh, remixed my friends Carl and Thomas, who I know you know. Yes. Carl Ulner, he plays guitar with me sometimes, and he has his own project with his sister, and he's also doing work with my friend Thomas, who you also know. Thomas has actually been working lights for me at shows recently, but he has a DJ project out right now called DJ Braj, and I remixed one of their tracks, and the remix just came out, and I'm finding a voice as a remixer as well as a producer and a singer and a songwriter. Yeah, that's so rad. Mm -hmm. I have to hear all of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Draniods, if you search that word, D-R-A-N-I-O-D-S, nothing really else will come up because it's a word that doesn't exist. It's an anagram. It's, <laughs> it's a made-up word. Yeah, yeah. So that's what'll come up. Fair is a little harder because there's actually a Ford car dealership down in South Carolina called Fair Ford. So if you search Fair, sometimes you'll get the car You're dealership. Battling for them, yeah. 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 But uh, or you get the pianist George Fair, who was like a Hungarian light music classical pianist in the 1900s. But if you find Draniads, that's like really easy to find. Oh, that's so cool! You have mm-hmm. so much going on. Yeah, trying to stay busy. Are you just doing music full-time? No, I do a lot of audio engineering as well. I work at a podcast studio in Brooklyn. I actually just came from that today. Say what? You're yeah. in a podcast and you work at a podcast studio. Yeah, I know. It's uh, How's I that? Found tell, me the real, tell me what the real podcast world is like. You know, I'm just like uh, – I'm just doing my own thing, you know? Yeah, I mean podcasting is such a huge – industry now because so many people want to get information and they don't necessarily want to read you know what i mean (laughs) reading takes a lot of work so they don't want to read yeah that's so funny reading takes a lot of work so as a result almost every big news source like new york times uh daily news whatever they all have podcasts podcasts. and i work at a studio now occasionally in brooklyn that doesn't necessarily have like a dedicated podcast but rather it's a studio that offers a space to record podcasts. So you have big deal podcasts coming in there. But then if you're like, you know, just starting out, you just want to get a podcast going for shits and giggles. You don't even know what it's going to be about. You can go in there. I always record this one podcast once a month called What's This Podcast About Again? And it's these three guys who start off talking about one thing and then they just completely forget what they're talking about and go off the rails. And they do that for two hours and... It's the it's the charm. It becomes about nothing and about yeah. everything at the same time. It's so beautiful. And they're hilarious dudes or just entertaining guys. Yeah, they're, they're entertaining fascinating. guys. Fascinating. Yeah. 
I mean, generally the theme is sports and music, but yeah. after a while they just sometimes they start arguing with each other, and it's just hilarious. They all talk over each other, and I don't really have to worry about it because I don't have to edit the podcast. So it's just one are continuous they like, recording. <clears throat> are they news or media personalities? Or are they just like working dudes? They're just like three guys. That's the guys who hilarious. want to be on the mic. And <laughs> yeah. As we all do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to uh I said I do audio engineering, I do some audio book work, like children's books, uh recording and editing those. I do some live engineering. I'm actually an engineer now for SoFar Sounds. Are you familiar with SoFar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do sound engineering for them. And Do you make more than $100? Because obviously the internet got super pissed What last week or two weeks ago. It's like this multi-million dollar industry. You work for them, so you don't want to speak out of school. I understand. I make $100 per show. I wow. really do think it's a good model because regardless, you're guaranteed to get paid. Like if you play – you're guaranteed to get the $100 and you're guaranteed to play in front of a packed house full of eager music listeners who are willing to check out new music. You don't have to worry at all about like, oh, God, I have to draw people and I have to pre-sell tickets and all that stuff. Yeah. I think it's a good model. How much is a ticket for a fan? Generally, some some cities, like a lot of the smaller cities, I think shows are free or like suggested donation or tips. In New York – as far as I know, shows are between fifteen and twenty dollars. Well, well, everything is expensive in New York. Yeah, but I mean, every you show walk down I, the street and twenty dollars is just coming out of your pocket. Yeah, you know, so. I mean, every show I've worked though has been sold out, so it's still very, very popular. It's still so popular, yeah. And yeah, then, but it's it's no, it could be the. Um, jaded veteran generation that I live in who are constantly complaining about whatever thing that has happened in the music business and you're like that's cool that's great that you're complaining about this we hear you but it's n- there's no turning back like you know there's no stopping this the machinery of technology here so yeah that could be just who i didn't even totally read into this i just i saw the stink you know what i mean and i was like mm. yeah well what people felt was that they were almost commodifying or commercializing the DIY ethos of a house show. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the two can coexist. You could still do your house shows if you want, which people do all the time. Which are the best, and you could yeah. also do so far. Like it's nice to have unlimited options. I mean, thanks to the internet, you know, there are options on the table for almost everything. If you're not happy with Spotify and you don't feel like you're making enough money for it, just don't put your music on Spotify. You have Bandcamp, which you get to keep like 85 to 90% of all of your payments which is great yes i put my music on everything because i feel like you have to to get noticed uh, spotify bandcamp soundcloud itunes which will be gone soon as i'm sure you heard itunes apple's killing off itunes yes but uh there will still be bandcamp there's amazon there's all this kind of stuff do you do soundcloud do you do a soundcloud thing, i am right? on soundcloud yeah. yes in fact um most of my remix work is mostly concentrated on soundcloud now mm-hmm because uh, for remixes, I think it's a little more tricky with Spotify because you have to make sure that the other artist is down for it. With uh, Spotify, it's really important that you credit everyone so that if the track gets a lot of streams, you want to make sure that the original artist to your remix is also getting those streams and not just yeah. you as the remixer. So that's where you're putting your focus on the SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud seems like a whole world where I think my SoundCloud thing, like if you checked out my SoundCloud, I was in a songwriting uh, – 
like a write a song once a week and put it on this SoundCloud page. We'll share it and listen to it. So it's like demos of me like fucking around on acoustic guitar. I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, I know SoundCloud has a whole thing. I always joke like, you know, the SoundCloud rapper who I think are the the OG punk rockers right now. Like, yeah, of, no, the SoundCloud rapper, generation. the SoundCloud rapper aesthetic has become like a big business. I mean, so many of these rappers that are dominating now. You have like Post Malone. You have. Uh, Rest in peace, XXX Tentation, or however you pronounce it, Tentacion. Yep. You know, they all started Lil off. Zan. Yeah, they Macklemore. all started off on SoundCloud doing their yeah. thing. And they, once they got big, they kept that identity of like, yeah, I'm a SoundCloud rapper. People checked out my stuff organically on SoundCloud. You know, it's like almost like faced, the closest thing you're going to get to face to face interaction, but on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So That's SoundCloud funny. rap has almost become its own genre. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Although it often crosses over with mumble rap, which is, I know, very big now. That, it's a very similar, yeah. very similar aesthetic. And I. <clears throat> yeah, it's usually like Lil something. And then they have face tattoos and they have grills and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. I even worked with a rapper named Young Little Child. And Young Oh, so he did both. Young he and- was like trying to mock the whole thing. You know what I mean? It, it was cool. It was good. And now that. Now they're in college and they've dropped that moniker and I'm like, I don't know. I think you should have hold on to that. I think this is a good thing. Like, I don't know. You're going to your real name now. I don't know. I think you had a thing, you know? Yeah. The only rapper I know that uses his full name is Kendrick Lamar. I mean, that, that his I can name off name. His God-given. Yeah, yeah. His birth name. What appears on his birth certificate. Yes, that's right. He's the only rapper I can name off the top of my head. I'm sure more will come to me. That does not have a stage name. Unless you count his nicknames like K-Dot and Kung Fu Kenny and things like that. Yeah. Because all rappers, a lot of rappers, not all, but a lot of rappers have variations on their name like, you know, 50 Cent will be 50 Cent or just 50 or 5C or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's no, Jay-Z has an infinite number of minicons. Yeah, Jay, Hova, stuff like that. Shout out to him becoming hip-hop's first billionaire, by the way. Yep. That's pretty cool. That's super cool. He's – do you – now, do you like – is, is he cool to you? Yeah. I mean, even though I might is, not appear, I really – Is Kanye cool to you? Kanye, I don't want to get too much into because he has said some things that, you know, a lot of people are – Sort of on the fence about like, yeah, I don't really know if you should have said that. But uh, I really do like his work. Like, I think he's a great producer, a great rapper, a great beat maker. I mean, even though it might not look like it, I'm actually really into hip hop, particularly 90s hip hop as well. I just love the uh, the beat, the poetry that comes with it. One of my favorite rappers is Nas, who is a lot best. of people call hey, the king of New York. Queens. Yeah, Queens Bridge, which is not too far We're away. not too far from there, yes. Yeah, I love Nas. I love the... Well, I mean, particularly the uh, the lyrical flow. He just like he just is able to do all this stuff that intertwines, like we said before, high culture and low culture. He's talking about coming from the streets, but he phrases it in a way that it sounds so poetic Beautiful. and articulate. And uh, he's able to do this stuff in one take. I mean, do you know the song "NY State of Mind"? I'm not going to say New York State of Mind. That's the Billy Joel song, but "NY State yes. of Mind." If you listen at the beginning, he'll be like, I don't know how to start this shit. And then he does the verse. Apparently, he did it all in one take. And then from what I heard from like a source, uh, someone was in the studio with him. He did the verse in one take after saying, I don't know how to start this shit. The mic goes off and he's like, how was that? And everyone just had their jaws dropped in the booth. And they're like, yeah, uh, I think that's a take. I think that's a take. Yeah. <laughs> he's No, he's he's... Overall flow, like feel, time, groove, lyrics, he's very, very, very high. 
even though Jay-Z said he's leading the league in six statistical categories. And I give the hottest interviews. But, like, Nas is – Nas is – come on. I mean, bro, you're speaking my language right now. Yeah. Like, you're – impressive knowledge. Impressive. You're an audiophile, clearly. Sure. You yeah, – Thank you. If you go back into the 90s stuff – because it's like – I think for me some, to listen to Mumble Rap or SoundCloud Rapper, I – I took the whole of December. I took two weeks and I told cool young cats like yourself. And I said, give me all the shit. You know what I mean? Like they, they uh, this kid just recently is like, you got to you got to check out rap caviar on the, the playlist. You check out that playlist. Oh, yeah. Caviar. That's like if you want to yeah, make it as a rapper. This, I learned this like two weeks ago. If you yeah. want to make it as a rapper, like that's where in you this live. day and age, caviar is like the crown jewel. If you made it onto caviar as a rapper, it's like. Being any artist and making it onto the Billboard charts, but mm-hmm. this is specific for rap. It's similar with in the dance music world in EDM. If you make it onto the Mint playlist, the Mint, that I'm write this shows down. that you write it in paper. Really had a successful achievement in dance. Mint for uh, is it like M N T or is it M I N T for okay. dance music, and then Caviar for rap, and then for rock you have like Rock This. And then indie, I follow. There's a lot of indie playlists because indie does so well on Spotify. But a big one is Undercurrents. You're so hip, bro. or or pollen. That's another really popular one. Undercurrents. Yeah. That's uh, like what? Who are groups on that? So you have like a lot of these, particularly female fronted indie artists these days oh, that are cool. really blowing up in New York and beyond. Like you have Charlie Bliss. You have Soccer Mommy, Snail Mail. Groups like that mm-hmm. that have a similar sound and a similar vibe, but have able to really found an audience doing what they're doing, and they really embrace the girl next door or guy next door, whoever it is, kind of aesthetic. They're not really showy or flashy. They just get on stage and they play their songs, mm-hmm. and people really, really like them. That's great. Mm-hmm. Not a huge production, not a huge show. Yeah, it's it's really about the music and like getting back down to the bare bones of like these are the songs. This is what they sound like live. I'm going to play them. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Which is what so far is all about as well. Yes. Even do though you so do far, an acoustic thing, I used to actually. I used to be yet another one of those sad white boys with a guitar. I feel like when I met you, that yeah. excuse me, that's what you were doing. Yeah, when I think we first met in like 2013, and I was doing a lot of stuff just solo guitar, solo piano. Yeah. It wasn't until shortly after that that I incorporated the full band and more electronic sound. So I want to work out some sort of stripped-down setting that I could do at a So Far show where I have the electronics and I have the band vibe, but it is much more dialed down and it is meant to be more intimate. Mm-hmm. So that's in the works right now. So when that comes into fruition, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm working on it now. Would you play guitar or would you play piano or – just sing. I might just sing. I mean, a lot of my stuff now is keytar oriented. Like, mm-hmm. I play keytar a lot live. That's become one of my signatures. And that's more meant for synth leads. Like, I'll sing a verse, I'll sing a chorus, and then I'll have Shred. the chorus or uh, just a solo shredding on the keytar, which is what I do with parties. But I also sometimes have songs where the keytar will follow the the melody of the chorus and just reinforce it. Mm-hmm. So I might, I might not play the keytar, but I might have, like, a little novation tiny little keyboard thing that i just play leads on and have the track or a band member do the rest great and finally i apologize and if you need another seltzer let me know oh no pounding these seltzers okay good good i'm a little dehydrated i'm like i need to just liquefy myself here yeah so you know i we're 50 minutes in now i feel like we should hit this earlier but talk to me about these lyrics and party like parties talk to me about them 
There's an interesting backstory with parties actually because I started writing the song during my junior year of Bard when I fell off a Razor scooter and broke six bones in my foot and had to get extensive surgery to get it fixed. And when I was in the – should I let you finish? Six, <laughs> uh, six yeah. bones in your foot? Yeah. I fell off and – it was Like just fell or you, were you trying to jump a fucking 12-foot wall? Like, I wish you... it was something that cool. No, it was uh, – I was going down a hill and the hill was very gradual and then all of a sudden – gets super the con- It gets super steep and the concrete on the road gets really sort of fragment. It's like a bad road. You know what I mean? It's not very well paved. And so I flew up in the air at like – I'd say I was going 30 miles an hour or so and – landed right on my left foot oh my god bro right from there i was like oh my god this is really bad and a car saw me driving past and they're like are you okay and i'm like no not really so they called ems and i got shipped to the emergency room and interestingly enough they only found at this upstate you know, sort of casual in the middle of nowhere upstate small, clinic. Small town hospital. Yeah. yeah. They they only – that's a great way of describing it. Small town hospital. They only found like one broken bone and a slight sprain and my parents came up and they're like, let's get you checked out by this – my mom's a doctor as well. She knows this foot surgeon who specializes in just feet mm. at the hospital for special surgery right here in New York. And we took a more detailed x-ray and MRI and they're like, yeah, it's actually six bones and you've crushed some like – nerve endings oh as well. Oh my god, dude, this is making me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Holy fuck, If you want, dude. we could change the subject. No, 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 but, no, no. This is great for the story, but that you must have been in fucking absolute agony. Oh yeah, it was it was so bad, and here's the thing, I'm allergic to aspirin, so I can't just pop an aspirin, and I can only take Tylenol, but Tylenol's not strong enough, and we didn't want to put me on Percocet until after the surgery, yeah. and when I was on Percocet, you know, we tried to get me off as fast as possible, because mm-hmm. if you stay on it too long, you know, start to get hooked on it but going back to parties where that came from is holy fuck i went back i went back to college mm -hmm. and i was in a cast i was on crutches i was on like your junior year spring my junior year of fall semester actually even harder because we're going into the winter when it's even harder to get around and i was thinking about all my friends how they could go to parties with such ease because that's what most people want to do in college more than anything else is just party and get drunk and get high and that's things very, like that that's that's like thursday to like saturday night thursday to like sunday late afternoon really <laughs> and i uh I technically could go to these parties, but I couldn't oh. stay for long because I had to rest and elevate my yeah, foot. Elevate and the, the foot, rule yeah. is you have to elevate it above your heart, which mm-hmm. means you have to be on your back and your foot has to be raised in the air. So I couldn't really go to a lot of parties. And then this line just came to me. Look at everybody dancing at the parties. They're drinking and they're taking lots of drugs. And from there, I turned that into a song. And the song has actually been in the works since then, which is like four years ago. That's it's amazing. the longest I've ever worked on a song. I'm finally allowed to release it. And That's so, so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Good for you for like reopening sessions. I like start a session and I'll never open it again. So yeah, good. no, this is one. I've actually been playing this song live for about two or three years now, but I haven't released a studio version of it until now. But that's where it comes from is uh, 
I wanted to capture in the chorus the feeling of like a raging college party. Look at everybody raging at the parties. But in the verse, it's a little more introspective of like, I want to go party, but I can't. There's that line, my doctor, my doctor says me, that I can't get drunk. Me, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't drink alcohol when you're trying to recover from a serious injury. <laughs> and also there's the element of social anxiety as well, which a lot of people experience in college. They want to go out to a party. It feels like what they have to do, there's social pressure. And, you know, what if you go alone? Like, what if there's no one there you know? Are you going to feel comfortable? Are you going to do what you're supposed to do at a party, which is have a good time? Or are you going to be anxious and stand in the corner? Yeah. For me, both. Uh, it really depends on the party I'm going to, the mood I'm in, the night it is. There's so many elements to it. Yeah. So that's where parties came about. And, oh, I'm glad I have the opportunity to share this. I know you know Kyle Duke. I know that. Yes, Kyle Duke. Let's talk about Kyle Duke. Been, I, I know that you guys yours. know each other. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you know this, but he was the co-producer on Parties. Amazing. And he also mixed the track. Beautiful. And I actually found out about this very podcast because I heard that Kyle was on it. Yeah. I know Kyle because he went to NYU and I didn't go to NYU, but I took a summer class there. Mm-hmm. I had a teacher who said to me, let me connect you with this guy, Kyle, because I think you'd be a really good fit, the two of you. Who is the teacher? His name is Mike Errico. And okay, he I was teaches... hoping you were going to say Mark Plotkin. No, but I know the name, yeah, Mark yeah. Plotkin. But Mike Errico teaches songwriting. He also teaches music business. Mm-hmm. and he I, got like me... I know this name, but I don't know this cat. Yeah, he got me connected with Kyle, and we just worked on parties. And he it was his idea to add like the heavy guitars and things like that, because that's yeah, what Kyle does. That's what Kyle does. And yeah. uh, from there, it turned into uh, much more rock-oriented. But I think that it turned out very well so kyle if you're listening thanks for your help with this track paul thanks you as well and uh (laughs) thank you kyle as well for telling me about this podcast because now i'm on it yes it's such a small it's a very small world i think i saw you for the first time in a few years at a gig that kyle was playing at bowery electric you you were were playing yeah because you were playing with pete francis right after kyle yes so yeah the new york scene as big as it is it's still very small uh, as my friend Chris Anderson said, who has been on this podcast, if you can't find six names in common, you, then you're in you, – you're, you're probably not hip. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. Six, uh, he has some quote like that. Like if you're not rubbing shoulders, like we're all kind of in the same room. You know what I mean? Like – and this <clears throat> in, in – a, in a weird way, it kind of all comes back like the community – in Westchester, you know, the music schools – did you go to any of the schools? Yeah, I went to Huff Bartholson, which is in Scarsdale, yeah, which is like, much more classical and jazz oriented. Yes, I'm sure that you can name a couple of the teacher and like you're like, oh, it, it like plugs yeah. you into the network. You're kind of, you know, you're from the Sure. And yeah, and I world. met you for the first time because Carl, who I mentioned before, you were playing guitar in his rock project. Fucking awesome, band. Yeah, Nordic Fury. Shout yes. out to Nordic Shout Fury. Out to Nordic and Fury. there were some gigs where the keyboard player, Soft, couldn't make it. So he, Carl was like to me, I know you play keyboard, want to play with us. Yeah. And so we actually wound up playing some gigs together. I think you remember we were in Jersey, mm-hmm. in uh, Connecticut, I think. And that's how we got to know each other. And then I found out a few years later, you also know Kyle. And I'm like, wow, it's such a small world. It's such a small world. Yeah. Kyle's an absolute gem of a human and an yes. amazing musician. He's he's a cat. He's, yeah, he's in like he's a dude. three or four bands now, I think. One of them, which is uh, playing a massive festival in September. I forget what the festival's name is, but Slipknot are the headliners. That's so awesome. It's epic. He's He talked about that band, and I checked them out. They're called Broken Love. Yes. Which Broken I thought they were love. called Brooklyn Love because it's B-R-K-N. Yes. <laughs> if there was an L in there, it would be Brooklyn Love, but it's Broken Love. <laughs> Broken Love, yeah. yeah. He's totally stoking on that project right now. Like, yeah. I've heard their stuff. Good. It's really amazing. 
That's so rad. It's such a small little world. That's cool. So that's Kyle on guitar on the track. Yes, it is. He's playing oh the uh, – well, I, I'm actually playing the rhythm section because I had the chord progression in mind already. Mm-hmm. But he had the idea – it was his idea to add those leads like da-da-da-da-da following the vocal melody. Yeah. And then he wanted to get some – he described it as like an Iron Maiden type sound where he adds an, another harmony layer to the guitar and then a third harmony layer. And then at the very end, there's four – lead guitar harmony layers and that was all kyle's idea that's we so iron that. maiden that's awesome we recorded that right at his uh house in connecticut and just went very well and then we mixed it at his place in brooklyn and the bushwick yeah. spot yeah that he, he talked about on this podcast which i was like he's 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 a he's a cat he's the future he's you and him i mean i'm yeah you guys are the you're leading the charge you have cool you know what i mean I'm trying to <clears throat> That's so cool, mm-hmm. and that is so. You're fully healed in the foot. Look, oh, I have, yeah, totally. I have foot. I have a podiatrist. Then Doctor Mermelstein is a dear friend of mine. So, I'm into foot doctors. <laughs> yeah. Is your foot totally recovered? It is. No, my mom found me thanks to her doctor connections. One of the best foot surgeons in the world. And uh, my foot, you know, I still during the changing of the seasons, like if it gets hot or it gets cold, I'll feel it a little bit. It'll just feel a little tender sore but it's fully healed i could walk really with no problems i wear orthotics just to be safe but i can walk just fine and the only real indication that i've had a broken foot are the scars from the surgery mama lucicia that's crazy yeah well also the miracle of modern medicine you know they also amazing song they also took some stem cells from my hip and uh placed them into my foot to help the bones grow so again the miracle of modern medicine really helped and so this – you're a college kid. I, you know, I just have to ask, were you intoxicated at the time of the accident? I was not. I was just really terrible at riding Razor scooters. In fact, I <laughs> bought the Razor scooter that day and oh broke my, my foot that night. What it was – my thinking was like this is such a spread out campus. Bars in the middle of nowhere. I'm getting a Razor. Yeah. I mean I already had a bike the previous year but like my symbols, the bike got stolen. Oh. Kind of my fault because I forgot to lock it. Someone yeah. took it. But then I figured a Razor scooter is cheaper to buy. It's easier to store. It could get me around almost as fast. Why not go for a Razor scooter? So I, you know, because everyone does it, I took a picture of Facebook with me and the Razor scooter being like, look what I got. And then uh, one of my friends saw it and he was just like one broken foot later. It wasn't – he wasn't predicting it because it had already happened. But I just think it was ironic that like he was the first comment on that post because – it was within like two hours of getting the scooter that I broke my foot off it. So this, is, it's this, wild. this story is getting more and more tragic. Yeah, yeah. this is like yeah. And you the real- bought a new thing. You're psyched up. You're psyching. You're going for a cruise. You're ripping. Next thing you know, you can't fucking walk for yeah. three months. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. Goddamn. The, re- the real kicker is. To get around faster than crutches, they gave me another scooter. You know those knee scooters that you sometimes mm-hmm. see people riding around on? I think it's just really ironic that a scooter injury led to me being on another scooter. Yeah. And that very scooter that my foot broke on, we have this like black box theater up at Bard called the Old Gym, which was an old gym. Someone needed to borrow that very scooter. One of my friends borrowed it for a prop for a show she was putting on. And I think to this day, that very scooter still lives in the old gym theater. That's awesome. So it has a lot of history to it. It's, it's like a relic of the bard yeah. mythology here. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm sorry to harp on your injury. I'm, <clears throat> I, when I was in college, mm-hmm. I got a razor clam 
shook right up in between my big toe and my index finger. Oh, man. Oh, God. Right? And so I'm like, I don't know, I'm probably 21. And I think it led to this life of uh, impaired foot. Like I have plantar fasciitis. I have had – I have all of the foot problems. Like so this is why I have a, like a personal relationship with my podiatrist. I'm yeah. like, Dr. Mermelstein. He's like, hello, Paul. Like we're like – I saw – he plays tennis. I see him in the park and he's like – I would almost call him a friend now. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I know him, him for coffee or whatever. So well. Yeah. yeah. I was like, hey, should we hang? You know? And I like in geeky because I'm into foot health because I have to be because of whatever has happened and I'm sure. dealing with plantar fasciitis. I follow all these geeky like – um foot Instagram pages like caught in the gate and like I'm just generally into foot health. Do you know this book called uh, Born to Run by Christopher McDougall? I don't actually. Named after the Springsteen song. I you would assume. You would assume. <laughs> His book came after that but it talks about – it got me very inspired to be kind of just – it was in the paleo movement and sex at dawn. It's like we're returning to our ancestry's ancestral self like – why the fuck do you have all this padding on your foot? Why are you wearing this Nike Air Pegasus? You see it. It's super in vogue right now. You were probably just in Manhattan or Brooklyn and women with chunky white sneakers on. Like, what the hell is all that shit? You have, like, the most brilliantly designed foot when you're wearing all this shit on it. So, oh, breaking your – it's like – it, I have this, like, sympathy pain because I know it's just so – it's just – destroys your yeah, soul it's very cr- i was in a rut for a lot of it because uh i took walking for granted and then to not be able to walk for like a quarter of a year is really no it was like it was four months actually it was longer than that wait is four months a quarter of a year four times four times three is twelve three would be a quarter yeah oh yeah but so it was about you. four four months a long time yeah. i had to have uh three surgeries in total to fix it good god my they, man. Had to, they had to put the hardware in then one piece oh, of hardware my. had to come out which required surgery and then the rest of the hardware had to come out which required more surgery and here's the real no pun intended kicker <laughs> is uh after I was fully healed, I had, like, just become healed, and then my dad slips on a patch of wet grass and breaks his ankle, and he sees no. the same foot doctor, and I think we jokingly asked him, can we get a family discount? And he would say, that's not the way I operate. Again, no pun intended, not the way I operate. But, yeah, he then felt the pain of, like, you know, ankle, foot, lower extremity, not being able to walk. It's really crushing, so... Oh. I appreciate every day being able to yeah. use both my legs, both my feet. Good God! Yeah. I have two friends recently. Two friends. <clears throat> one friend I would play hoops with and another friend I see in the gym. So they're healthy, athletic, mid to late 30s, right? Maybe one is even in his 40s. So you wait. Wait for this. Hear this. Hear me now. Hear me now, Andrew. All right. Something happens that a lot of people apparently – just their Achilles wasn't made, right? Or it's a lemon and they blow an Achilles. Really? And so <laughs> – and my first friend, I was like, no. He w- it happened in the winter. It's dark. He's like still dark about it. He's like, this has been the hardest year of my life. I can't walk. Ruined me. This happens to another friend, the other friend, two weeks before his wedding. 
Oh, my God. And just walking. Like, th- now I have this irrational fear. Well, it's completely rational. But do I have a bum Achilles? Am I going to be, like, I don't know. I'm going to be 42 years old and, like, step weirdly at the beach and then bust my, like. So, I, oh, the foot. It's like, because I already have this weird pre-obsession with, like, foot health. I'm like, what, what, who, who just has bum Achilles? Like, this is like, this is like a the curse, you know? Yeah, no, I'm just really glad that I was never like a real hardcore soccer player or anything like that, or, or a ballet dancer or anything. Cause, uh, I asked the doctor, you know, will I be able to walk normally again, this and that? And he said, yeah, but if you were a ballerina or a soccer player, <clears throat> soccer player, career's this over. would have killed your career. And I was like, oh man, even though I was already terrible at soccer, <laughs> although, Interestingly enough, I am – if I'm really not athletic at all, but if there's anything I'm good at in terms of sports, it's running. I'm a good long-distance runner. I believe it. You're, I, was, I would believe that you're a good runner. Yeah, but I was fortunately able to Were you on the cross-country team? I wasn't, but I feel like I should have been because maybe college advantages. But if there was one sport I could have been good at in high school, it would have been cross-country or track. Yeah. I didn't go out for it though because I chose the more artsy route. I was in the drama club. I was in the jazz band. I was in the wind ensemble, things like that. But I'm really fortunate that I am able to run with really no problems. I run quite a bit, mostly to catch the subway. But So you don't you just gotta. free run? Well, sometimes if I feel like I have extra pent-up energy, I'll just, you know, why walk to a place when you could jog? That kind I of love stuff. this. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really glad that I'm able to do that. Because if, so, if I had seen the surgeon up at Bard who wasn't as – recommended and wasn't as professional the one who thought i only had one broken bone i probably still to this day would have had problems with the foot mm. no i like this is going into the bank here because like someday if something happens i'm gonna be like andrew give me this doctor's name yeah like, tell me their name i even want to just know who they are so i can like check them out this is how geeky i'm into yeah. foot health. his a- name is dr jonathan deland and he's jonathan DeLand, an orthopedic doctor. surgeon at the hospital for special surgery on the east side of Manhattan. It's like the one, the hospital that's in the 60s or 50s? Yeah, New York Hospital. Yeah. yeah. I was just there. I gave blood last Thursday. My mm. scar is gone, but... Yeah. That is quite the facility. Oh, yeah. Very, very high tech. <laughs> very high. You're like, this is amazing here. This yeah. is crazy. Mm-hmm. Dang. So what else? What's... What is the future? You, I mean, you alluded to it for a little bit, but you have some more singles coming out. You have a ballad, which is exciting. Oh, here's what I want to talk to you about the ballad. Sure. Your grandmother. Brilliant. I agree. You get one ballad per set. I think that. But the power of the ballad. Magic. Oh, absolutely. You can overtake a room. You can change a room. You can bring a room together. Yeah. It's, and it's like a very overlooked. Well, we call it. Like dirge music, I believe, because like as someone on my podcast, uh, Brian Coyasa was talking about like who the fuck thought like we would Billy Jean would be a better song taking the drums out. Like, come on. No, it's a dance song. We need drums. Right. Someone so, tried to take the drums out of Billy Jean. Oh, you know who it is. Mm. <clears throat> it became viral. But it's like, no, we need that. But there are certain tracks, ballads. It can change the energy in a space. Sure. I think I'm like I'm the I'm the number one like person who's like let's just fucking crush them we're going to play we're going to play from like 98 to fucking 160 all night destroy but like I'm learning the power of the ballad so your grandmother is yeah completely onto something yeah if there's anyone who's been a real real big influence and supporter it is my grandmother she is a retired actress and also singer she uh has done it professionally in her life 
So she really knows about the performance world and she really knows what makes or breaks a good performance. And from seeing my act, she, even in her old age now, still comes to a lot of my shows, which I very old much age, appreciate. Old age, I can't say on the podcast. <laughs> I really can't tell you. But I will say that she's up she's there. Young. But – yeah. But uh, she really is good at critiquing a performance and giving me constructive criticism. And one of the big things she was telling me was – have a ballad in your set, even if it's just one, even if it becomes more energetic at the end, which a lot of ballads do, mm-hmm. bring it down for a little bit and have the audience be drawn in rather than blasting them out the door. It's so true. She's so right. Yeah. So we, as a result, I've written one and I'm hoping to release it sometime soon. Like that's the the fall, possible fall Possible. Release. I mean yeah. I have another track I'm working on that actually has a featured rapper guy I also met through the NYU program named Siege Spitfire. Siege awesome Spitfire. Name. His yeah. real name is CJ, but he goes by Siege in his rap. And uh, <laughs> So does he change it as C-E-E-G-E-E-J? No, it's S-I-E. It's S-I-E-G-E. S-I-E-G-E. Siege S- Spitfire. Yep. If you're listening, Siege, what up? And uh, I gotta like see it in my head. Yeah. I have this other song I'm working on that is rock oriented, but it's probably rhythm wise one of the more hip hoppy kind of tracks I've done. So of course I'm singing it, but I just thought when making it, you know what? For this like 25, 30 seconds, I should just have another guy come on and spit flames for 30 seconds and just rap the crap out of this song. And so Mike Erico once again contacted me with Siege and. He laid down this verse, and it was fire. So I'm really looking forward to releasing that track, hopefully, in the fall as well. So what are your summer plans? Musically, your own thing? You go on vacation? You go... I mean, summer, I'm just trying to develop more, write more songs, play more gigs, work on more remixes. The Dranions Project might even have an original come out under that name, which might be a collaboration with another DJ or singer, which I think would be cool. Uh, it actually, I'm glad I could mention this. The next remix I'm coming out with is a uh, Carl Ulner track with with his sister. He has the Corel and Exogeny project, and they had a song last year that managed to crack, I think, the Billboard top fifty, top forty, which was awesome. That's awesome. And I'm remixing that track now, and it should be out within the next few weeks. So I'm really so looking cool. forward to that. And then I also have a show I'm prepping for at Brooklyn Bazaar on July second. So if you don't happen to be away for July Fourth weekend, you know. That That's is... going to be cool. Do you know Brooklyn Bazaar? It's in Greenpoint. I do know that spot. It's yes. an awesome spot. And I love that neighborhood. And I don't know if you know, I feel like being in New York, you would be familiar with this band called Shinobi Ninja. Do you know them? I see their goddamn sticker oh, everywhere, Oh, yeah, they're bro. everywhere. They're the master guerrilla marketing band. You see, well, uh, that band is not headlining, but I got the lead singer of the band, Shinobi Ninja, Duke Sims. He's going to be doing his solo project, and he's headlining the show. And then I have other two rock bands also playing on the bill. And it should be a really good night. That's great. And you set up the whole night. I did, yeah. I contacted the bands, bands I just know from seeing their shows or just being in the scene. And I thought, like, these bands would be great on the show because the show is also going to double as another release party because it's going to be shortly after I put out the party's music video, which just got finished. And I think the music video is really what's going to sell the track more. Oh, that's great. You yeah. are a crusher, bro. You are a crusher. Try you got to be in a city like this. It's very competitive. It's, it's the most sink or swim. Yes. So, I'm really getting out there and uh yeah. doing what I can. Do you have merch? I have stickers and I have buttons. I'm working on getting t-shirts. Buttons like our pins. Pins, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
Eventually, I want to get. I think this is good for my brand. Is uh, custom stress balls like a stress ball with my face on it? If you squeeze it, it might distort my face a little bit. I know people who are doing a lot of weird merch things that are so essential to their brand, but I don't know too many people doing stress balls. So I think I might try that next. I think it's brilliant. I think you should do it. I think it's all about weird merch and yeah. like. You know, it's one word, fair. It's a cool word. It looks yeah. cool. T-shirts. I would wear a T-shirt. Yeah. And with Dranny Odds, I'm also trying to do some merch because for that, I also have a mask I put on that one of my friends made, which is sort of like a robot type persona, mm-hmm. almost like a dystopian style Daft Punk mask. And that is pretty easy to do merch with because it's so like distinct. It doesn't look like anything else. With that, you could do like maybe little action figures or little bobbleheads or something. Yeah, that'd so be So I might slick. try that. That's great. Yeah. Dang, you're you're just you're straight hustling. You're everywhere. Yeah, and podcasts. I want to be even more places. <laughs> what about a tour? Yeah, I mean, I toured in 2017. It was a regional tour. It took me from Washington D.C. up to Boston and all the cities in between: Jersey, Philly, Connecticut, New York, of course. I'd love to do another tour, probably next summer. I have to plan it a lot, but I know summer is the best time to tour because you don't have to deal with as shitty weather what i'd really love to do is tour with another band do mm-hmm. like a split tour so i'll probably try to get that going i'd also love to go overseas and try to play some shows there it's a lot easier to tour in europe than in america if you think about it because the whole continent of europe is like the size of america and you could hit so many different countries and markets in the same amount of time so who knows? and they are very wonderful and treat musicians wonderfully awesome so I've talked about it extensively on this podcast, so I don't need to bore my listeners. But <clears throat> once you tour in Europe once, just close all your date book for your national U.S. tour until you're at a certain level because it's – You never want to leave? You know, no, no, no. There. Here's a bed. Here's some food. Here's some money. You're like, wait, excuse <laughs> me? You know, you play a club in Memphis. They're like, yeah – Here's a beer and a hundred bucks. You're like, <laughs> thanks. And you like talking to the crowd like, hey, so, you know, we're looking to crash tonight. Can anybody let us crash? You get, you're sick of sleeping in the van. Do it. Go right to Europe. I think I think that's brilliant. I tell that to everybody. Like, why? Why? Why waste your time? Go yeah. right to Europe. The hardest part is just getting there. But once you're there, it seems much easier, I'm sure. Oh, it's easy to get there, too. You can get there. Did you do a semester abroad? or? No, I wanted long? to, but I couldn't because of the foot. I was like, oh. that semester I was planning, like, okay, next semester I'm going to find an abroad program. All of my friends have gone abroad. They said it's been awesome. Then the foot happened. It's going to be pretty freaking difficult to get around Europe with a broken foot. Yeah, that would Especially be... because most people ride their bikes. Yep. So it'd be tough. That's all right. I went to my first college just on the idea that I could go abroad, and then I ended up transferring and never went abroad, so... Did you not start out at Purchase? I started out at a school in Western New York called SUNY Fredonia. Oh, I, I've heard of that. Yeah, which yeah. has this literally. So my teacher was Dr. Pierkowski, and then there was this. I can't. I've been like when we were talking about it. He was of the school and hung with the cats and like his boys with pure bullets and pure bullets is coming to the school and speaking and you know all this atonal stuff and it was so militant about it. But and at the time. I was like, dude, this, this is not me. This, I, I can't do this. Ah, ah, ah. You know, I was like freaking out. But I look retrospectively back and like this pushed my bounds of what music could be. Exactly what you said. It opened my 
dome to music in a whole different way. And now, like, I crave that information, crave that music, crave checking that out, you know, because I was exposed to it. So, yeah, I just love to find stuff that's truly in a league of its own and different. I mean, of course, you have the very satisfying pop hooks, which I love to listen to as well. But I also love discovering music that has its own thing going on. It doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah. And a way to really find that is to scour the internet. But also, you know, if you're in New York, try to go to as many shows as possible. There's over 100 shows every night. If you can make it to one a few times a week, you'll be pleasantly surprised in what you can find. No, it's the best. It's a pain in the ass getting there. It's a pain in the ass getting out. But as soon as you get to the show, you're like psyched. You're like, yes, I'm so happy. There's a show Friday night. I, My friend is doing a, a pedal steel, a whole two days of like six hours of nothing but pedal steel players. Oh, wow. Right, and I'm like, I have the night off. He's flying in from New Mexico. I'm like, I have to go to this, but it's in Red Hook. Red Hook. Oh, I think I might be working a silent disco (laughs) in uh, Red Hook sometime soon. Or is that Bay Ridge? It's somewhere in South Brooklyn. Somewhere that's a pain in the ass to get to from a story where I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, and you're like, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get home. Yeah. Two hours to get. Yeah, and the only way to get there is you have to go into Manhattan, only you have to go back out <laughs> yes, and go to yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, but I know. I know the instant I heard some, like, real, real beautiful, real schooled pedal steel, my heart will melt into a million pieces of hot chocolate. So <laughs> mm. uh, that's great. That's great. You're out. You're hustling. You're hustling in so many. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. Thank you're, you. You're inspired by what you do, too. I loved your show at Garcia's the other week. I came to see you in your various bands, and that was really great. <clears throat> the highlight of the night was seeing you, Carell, <laughs> Melissa, and Thomas's Thomas, yeah. face. Scarsdale like, crew. Scarsdale crew. It's so cool that you guys are still buddies and, like, hang. And every one of you guys is, like, just a crusher, just totally destroying life right now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I should have mentioned Melissa made the Draniod's mask, actually. She's a professional makeup and costume designer. So, yeah. so is yeah, that, she, she's working kind of in that industry full-time now? Yeah, and she's also designed a lot of my album covers. So, And uh, if you see a lot of my promo photos, just, she's taken those. I just so. like liked an Instagram picture. I was like, this is fucking so Yeah, rad. Melissa took that. That's so, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of my friends are doing really, really amazing things. So I'm very yeah. proud to. So call you guys all kind friend. of you all went your own ways too for like the four years, but now you're still like kind of chilling. So that's yeah, so mean, rad. Yeah, I mean they're up in Westchester a lot more than I am. I'm down in the city a lot more, but you know we're talking almost every day. We're online. We're chatting on Facebook. Uh, we're working in various places. We go to see shows together, and uh, yeah, it's it's going very well. No, that's so cool. Yeah. Like that's I. I love these long-time friendships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have all this history and like right when I put my phone into airplane mode, a friend from – one of my besties from high school called me up and we still talk. And it's like all that history. It's such a beautiful thing. Like you can instantly talk about, you know, your four-year-old bathroom humor or, you you know, into like, you remember this? No, I wish I could say that I was still in touch with people I knew from elementary or preschool. It's not the case, unfortunately. I have a friend from college who has the same group. It's like a group of five guys, and they've all been friends with each other since they were one years old in diapers. I can't say the same about my friends, but still since high school. Is he from a small town? No, he's from the city. He's from New York. Wild. Yeah. That's wild. They all grew up in the same apartment building. That's why. And they all oh, had dads cool. who were all friends with each other. Yeah. So, But uh, 
yeah, I can say that since high school, I've been tight with a lot of these Scarsdale guys. And even after high school is when we really solidified the friendships more because at, once you get out of high school, it becomes much more of an effort to see people. Yeah. And we really were able to. So they've been with me through it all. You know, when I broke my foot, they were with me when I uh, took my first edible. So <laughs> they've been with me through <laughs> out a lot of things. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Do you like edibles? Uh you know, every so often, I uh, I tend to move sort of uncontrollably when I have one. So yeah, they're just they do they don't really work with my operating system. So I just I'm like, why do I feel horrible? Yeah, so no. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna take one, it has to be a very very almost microscopic dose and a very particular situation where that's right. If I needed to boot, I could boot immediately. You yeah, know, like this is this is this is out of control. Like why? Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so much weed, so much weed in the spring. You walk around New York. I'm just like everybody is blazing chronic. Like every second of every. I'm. I don't. I was just like, what? What? This yeah, is it's, everywhere. It's this nuts. Is. My sister just moved into an apartment in Crown Heights, and her neighbors smoke indoors all day, every day. Like, oh my god! It says no smoking in the building. There's even a sign, and they're just out in the hallway on the staircase smoking, like, <laughs> like they don't care, and. uh I guess the landlord is like whatever too because they've been doing it for a while according to my sister That's and amazing. no one's really said anything. So so yeah. she's out of college. She's on her own. Yeah, she's uh, two years younger than me. She just graduated from Oberlin. She actually now works for Mayor de Blasio. Amazing. Yeah. Good for her. So yeah, she's crushing it too. That is In crushing. the New York scene but it's the political scene so it's a little different. Yes. But she gets to go to all these cool events and parades. She'll be marching in the Pride Parade with de Blasio. She was at like some – I don't know what event it was, but there were bagpipes, so it was really cool. That's just cool. Yes, yeah. I've been lucky enough to I've shaken his hand once, and I got to be at a party he was at one time, and his whole like security detail was there. Yeah, I'm like what the fuck's going on? And they're like, oh, De Blasio is coming. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's super tall. Yeah, I heard it's like <laughs> six six or something. He's like crazy tall. You're yeah. like, hello, giant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good for your sister. That's great. Thank you. And he just announces. Run for presidency. Yeah, let's see what happens with let's that. I mean, we have like twenty something people announced as like Democratic <laughs> candidates. Yes, so we'll getting... have to see. Yes, the news is going to be exciting this coming year. Oh yeah. Anything else we should talk about the future before we just blast these people into outer space with stuck in a video game? I mean, uh, I feel like I've said a bunch. I, I guess I'll ask if you have any questions for me. Do you have any more questions? Anything specific or general? Anything really at all that you want to ask me that you want to know? <sighs> You're a fascinating cat, man. You're doing it all. Thank You're you. doing it all. How do you keep your energy up then for doing all of the things that you do? Do you – are you one of these cats? They, what you just described to me, I'm like, this dude sleeps five hours at night. Do you sleep five hours? No, I sleep a lot actually. That's the thing. Someone actually asked me the other day the same question like where do you get your energy from? I'm actually not that energetic when I'm not around other people who seem equally energetic. Like you're a very energetic guy and I could really bounce off <laughs> you as well. So yeah. yeah, if I'm with someone who's very tame and chill, I'll be tame and chill. But if I'm with someone who really gets the energy going, then I'll pump up. But after this, I'm probably just going to crash. No, I uh, <laughs> I sleep – I really do try to make an effort to sleep eight hours a night or so. Yeah, me too. And what the, the key to it is I don't work every single day. You know what I mean? I really make an effort to have like at least one day off a week where I do nothing and just sort of hang out and tune out, which I think is uh, – it's good. And uh, And even when I'm awake every single day, I'm not working the whole time. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to keep the balance between – business and pleasure so what are your so, pleasure activities 
honestly, a lot of internet-related stuff, just like scrolling through YouTube, uh, reading new articles, uh, reading Facebook wars in the comments section. You know, that could be pretty entertaining. It's very entertaining. And then, of course, you know, I'll often just jam out by myself or with friends on an instrument. You know, I love doing that. Exploring new restaurants. There's too many to choose from in New York. Going for walks. I walked across the Brooklyn Bridge last week just for fun. I happened to be semi-close to the area, so I did it. That's rad. What's but, your favorite restaurant in New York? Oh, God. Or, I don't know if I could possibly choose. At the time, if you had one that you're like, you know where you got to go? Yeah, let me think. I mean, uh, Jesus, that's such a hard question because you could spend like 50 years in New York and not eat at the same restaurant twice. It's yeah. crazy. But there's this really amazing soup dumpling place down in Chinatown that mm. I really got. Unfortunately, the name is slipping my mind right now, but it's really – if you like – Rough address. Mott Street near the Canal Street station. Oh. The uh, – so it's a real spot. The, yeah, it's like the It's end. not like a bougie new spot. No, no, no. It's like real authentic soup yeah. dumplings mm-hmm. and Chinese food. I know it's real because they have shit that Americans, most Americans just won't eat. Like Wouldn't even fried look frog, fried chicken legs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But they have really great food that I would happily eat, like soup dumplings. That's like your secret like spot. You're like, I'm in the hood. I know where I'm going to go. Well, I don't think it's secret because I've gone there about two or three times and every single time it's been packed and there's always been at least a 10-minute wait. Ah, but it's worth but it. Chinese places are always so fast. They're like, shoo, 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 get yeah. in, get out, eat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool because we all yeah, – you're totally right. We, When I'm in different neighborhoods in different places of New York, I know like kind of what spot I want to go to or like – I'm 10 minutes from this Bombay sandwich. I want mm-hmm. to, I'm going to go get the lentil, French sure. lentil bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So you, you sleep eight hours. <clears throat> you answered so. the question. Cause like, well, you, the other thing I do, I, I wouldn't say I sleep eight hours regularly. This is sort of a weird thing with me is I have a very irregular sleep schedule. And then there are some nights where I'll only get like at most, like you said, five hours of sleep. But then to make up for it the next night, I'll sleep 10 hours. You know, it's like rather than a consistent eight hours, even though I do try to hit that minimum, it's usually I don't get much sleep one night and I really don't make a habit of going many nights with very little sleep. It's like one night of little sleep is okay, and then I could make up for it the next day. I also don't try to drink that much coffee because it's bad for your teeth, another vital bone in your body. Yes. And it also makes me a little too anxious and jittery, so I try to avoid it unless I really, really need it. Do you drink tea? I do drink more tea than green coffee. Green tea? Yeah, green tea, black tea, but I think that I just drink a lot of water as well. I think that's what keeps me energized and hydrated. So it's like DJ Khaled said, water is the key to success. <laughs> yeah. DJ Khaled said that? Oh, yeah. If you've ever followed him on Snapchat, you see he's always talking about the food he's eating. It's like he has the same thing for breakfast every day, egg whites, turkey bacon, hash browns. And then he's like, and the key to success, water. Oh, my yeah. God. He's a ridiculous human being. I, it's difficult for me to really take him seriously. I'm like, who is this motherfucker? Like, yeah, what? I met him, actually, at a meet and greet. Yeah? Yeah, it was super cool. Uh, the only thing was – the only way to possibly get in was to show proof to the security guards that you pre-ordered his album. But I figured it's 10 bucks. It's DJ Khaled. It'll be fun. So I got to meet him. I got a picture with him. And, uh, yeah, he was very chill in person. He didn't say any of his catchphrases or anything. But you were in line and you greeted him on a red carpet and he was sitting on his throne with <laughs> a lion statue next to him. And it was very in and out. You were allowed to get one picture with him and then you had to scram. The only way you could really stick around is if you bought a t-shirt. But 
it was worth it to just get that one picture with him and to shake his hand. Yeah, that's right. And for, I'm sure he was tired of hearing this, but a lot of people were coming up to him and saying phrases that he says every day that I'm sure he might be sick of in he private. Like, only we the that, yeah. best, DJ Khaled, another one. You know, I said that all to him, and he just nods and he's like, yep. So, so he's just like a normal chill dude, but he plays a character on Snapchat, YouTube, whatever. Yeah, he yeah. seems really chill in person. He's yeah. also shorter in person, you might not believe. He's like really short. Is he really short? Yeah, he's like... Because he's so thick, I guess. So you're <laughs> like, he's an NFL like offensive lineman-sized human or something. Yeah. yeah. He does look gigantic, yeah. Yeah, he's short. Well, that's interesting. But he's cool. He is cool? Yeah. Good. Well, dang. Ladies and gentlemen, Fair, check it out. F-E-Y-E-R. What's your Insta handle and all that kind of stuff? So it's at Fair Music, F-E-Y-E-R, music spelled like music, M-U-S-I-C. No periods, no spaces, no dashes, none of that stuff, just Fair Music. And then I also have the Draniods Instagram, which also pumped up uh, just recently, D-R-A-N-I-O-D-S. That's where you can find me online. Guys, thank you, Andrew. Thank you for coming and taking the time to hang out with me and being a part of it. I got stickers. Look at that. Oh, you hell put yeah. The secret. Secret. There <laughs> Take we go. A million of them. Anyway, cats, check it out. Stuck in a video game. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you so much, Paul, for having me.
Isn't he a gem, y'all? Isn't he a damn gem? Andrew Fair. Thanks, y'all, so much for listening to Secret Famous. Uh, thank you to Andrew for coming out. Thank you to y'all for, as always, keeping the fire burning. Have the best damn time this summer and bump that track all summer long.